We're going to look in Genesis chapter 4. <clears throat> Genesis chapter 4. I'm going to share a message entitled Anger Against Righteousness. A lot of anger in the world today. And uh, we've watched over last several years, I've preached on anger and dealing with issues. And we just see this, uh, the intensity of this anger uh, building and building and building. And uh, certainly we'll see that in uh, well, the life of Adam and Eve and their sons, Cain and Abel, in Genesis chapter 4, uh, beginning in verse 1. It says, And Adam knew Eve his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain, and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bare his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of a sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. But unto Cain uh, and to his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth, uh, for, and his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth? Uh, and why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door, and unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. And Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and slew him. And the Lord said unto Cain, uh, Where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, What hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. And now art thou cursed from the earth, which hath opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. Uh, when thou tillest the ground, it shall not henceforth uh, yield unto thee her strength. A fugitive and a vagabond shalt thou be in the earth. And Cain said unto the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, thou hast driven me out this day from the face of the earth, and from, the face, uh, from thy face shall I be hid, and I shall be a vagabond, uh, I'm sorry, a fugitive and a vagabond in the earth. And it shall come to pass that every one that findeth me shall slay me. And the Lord said unto him, uh, Therefore, whosoever slayeth Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark upon Cain, lest any finding him uh, should kill him. Let's pray. Father, we ask for your blessing on the preaching of the word of God now. May the Spirit of God be our teacher this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Our text verse is verse 5. says, but, Cain, uh, but unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect, and Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell, uh, anger against righteousness. Uh, in this chapter is a terrible thing that took place here. Literally, a brother is so angry with his brother uh, that he takes his life. And uh, the uh, interesting thing is that in this chapter, uh, there is a whole list, a whole gamut of emotions that are expressed and uh, revealed for us taking place in this family, the first family that God 
created, Adam and Eve, and their first two sons that they have, Cain and Abel. Uh, things have already uh, becoming dysfunctional. You're seeing already the effects of the sin of Adam and Eve uh, working its uh, way out in their life and in their children. Uh, but yet there's several, quite a few emotions that are filled uh, in this chapter. And I just want to mention them before we get into the main text. Notice, first of all, that there is a joy expressed because of the blessing of having children. And uh, verse 1, it says, And Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bare his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of the sheep, and Cain was a tiller of the ground. And so uh, no doubt there was the expression here is one of great joy, because of the fact that God had blessed them with children. You know, uh, children are a heritage of the Lord. And I think sometimes we forget that our children are blessings from God. They may be a challenge sometimes from God, but they are a blessing, amen. And there was much excitement, there was much enthusiasm, there was much joy that was expressed because God had given them these two sons, Cain and Abel. And so in, in every family, there's all these emotional experiences that we have. In every person's life, there's all these emotional experiences that we go through, and there are uh, great expressions of joy uh, because of the blessings of having children. However, I see in verse 4 and 5, there's jealousy. Uh, jealousy in reference to sibling rivalry. Notice in verse 4, it says, Abel also brought of the firstlings of the flock and the fat thereof, and the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering, but unto Cain and his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. And so right away there's jealousy between these two siblings. And uh, God is accepting the offering that Abel is bringing because it's a blood sacrifice. God has rejected the offering that Cain has brought. And uh, because of that, Cain becomes very angry uh, towards his brother, and he becomes very angry with God because of jealousy. We better be careful about jealousy. Uh, we can see God's blessings on someone else and become jealous over that, and it causes division within a family. Uh, oftentimes, even in church, you know, I've seen over the years, people might be getting blessed of God. They're faithful and they love the Lord. They serve the Lord and God's blessing them in a great way. Then all of a sudden, someone else in the church gets mad because why do they have a new car or why do they have this or why are they experiencing that? And we develop jealousy within the church and it causes division in the church. And so there's joy, there's jealousy, I see there's spirituality in this family because in, there's worship of God. In verse 4, as Abel brings his offering of the first thing of the flocks, it is an offering unto his God. It's an expression of worship uh, to his God. And so uh, we need to have in our families and in our personal lives joy. We need to watch out for jealousy that would, come, would creep in. But as we're going through this gamut of emotions, let's not forget that God blesses us when we come to worship him. We have something to be thankful for. We have strange days that we are living in, but God is still worthy of our praise and our worship. And uh, God needs to be exalted in our life. And so uh, here is Abel willing to worship God. 
the way God so designed it and planned for it to be. And so there's spirituality. There's also anger, uh, because in verse 5 and 6, we already read verse 5, but it's interesting, the question that God asked Cain in verse 6, and the Lord said unto Cain, Why art, they, why art thou wroth? Uh, and why is thy countenance fallen? Uh, sometimes people won't get over the problems with anger issues in their life because they won't identify the reason why they're angry. And uh, God is, uh, is really putting it on Cain's doorstep that, wait a minute, there is no reason for you to be angry. But the problem is he's anger, angry against righteousness because God established the means of worship. God established the sacrifice that had to be made when Adam and Eve sinned and the animal was slain and the blood was shed and their sins were covered oh, uh, uh, because of that blood that was shed. God established a means of worshiping the Lord, and worshiping that way is acceptable to God. But Cain took upon himself to worship God as he pleased. And when God didn't bless him, then right away he becomes angry with God. He becomes angry with his parents. He becomes angry uh, with his brother. And so anger will take us out of, and get us out of control and make us unreasonable in our responses to one another. So anger. I see there in verse 7, there's rebellion in this chapter. Rebellion is not doing what is right. In verse 7 it says, If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? Yeah, it's always tickling to me when people get in trouble, you know. They get in trouble and then they get all mad because they're in trouble. Well, the reality is, doesn't it make sense if you do what is right, you're not going to be in trouble? And that's basically what God's confronting Cain with. Uh, the problem is you have a rebellious spirit. You're rebelling from my, against my commands and my requirements and my desires for your life. And he reminds him, now Cain, certainly you know that if you do well, you'll be accepted. And thou doest not well, sin lieth at your door. So realize this, rebellion is sin. Rebellion is disobeying the command of the law of God. And we can be blessed by following the commands of God, or we can rebel by not doing what's right in the sight of God. Man doesn't determine what is right. God determines what is right. And so there's rebellion in this chapter. I see in verse 8 there are accusations in this chapter. Accusations in reference to evaluations of motives. In verse 8, it says, Cain talked with his brother, uh, with Abel, his brother. And it came to pass that when they were in the field, that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and slew him. Well, why did he rise up and slay him? Why did he kill his brother? It's because he's accusing his brother. He's accusing his brother because he's jealous of his brother. Uh, oftentimes, you realize this, I, I've had people say, to say over the years, uh, well, I just know so-and-so doesn't like me. Okay, well, why don't they like you? Oh, they just don't like me. Well, what have they done to show that they don't? Well, they haven't done, I can't tell you what they did. Well, no, you don't. You're, what, you're, what you're doing is accusing someone about motives that you have no means or ability to be able to comprehend and understand. I don't know what your motive is of coming to church today. 
All I do is see you physically sitting there. I don't know what you're in your heart this morning. I don't know if you had time alone with God before you came. I don't know what your expectations were in coming to church this morning. I know Jesus confronted the Pharisees and the Sadducees about John the Baptist. He says, what went you out to see? He questions their motive for coming out to see John the Baptist. And oftentimes we want to accuse one another by thinking that we can assess and evaluate someone's motives. Watch out because it'll create rebellion, it'll create anger, it'll rob you of spiritually worshiping the Lord because jealousy builds up in your heart and you lose the joy of the Lord and right away you want to lash out at somebody. And so I see accusations here that were uh, out of control and out of line. I've preached a message years ago entitled, What Kills a Church? And there's many things that'll kill a church. But one of, the, one of the worst things I think that happens in churches is perception. Not reality, perception. Because people perceive that there's a problem. People perceive in their minds that things aren't right because they may not like something that's going on. Or they may have been confronted about something. And so what do they do? They start accusing. And the accusations that they make have no foundation or basis on it because all they're doing is trying to evaluate somebody else's motives because of the fact in some way they feel that they have been abandoned or they've been neglected or they feel as though things haven't been met in their life and so right away they bring accusations. So we see that in this chapter. I mean, this place is a mess, amen? (laughs) Notice in uh, verse 13, there's fear in this chapter. In verse 13, And Cain said unto the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Fear, worry, and anxiety about the future. And uh, fear, Uh, he is distraught because of the consequences of his own lifestyle and the consequences of his anger that is out of control, that he actually takes the life of his brother. And now he's under the chastisement of God, and he's fearful of what the future holds for him. And so worry and anxiety about the future. Uh, listen, we don't know what the future holds, but I do know this. God is still on the throne. He's still in control. And we can experience the blessings of God, or we can live under the chastisement of God. It's your choice, it's my choice in what we're, how we're going to live. So God's not giving us a spirit of fear, so why don't we live in that realm of victory and the realm of power rather than succumbing to all these emotional things that get out of control in our life that causes us to build more and more fear. So there's fear in this chapter. In verse 15, I see that there's compassion in this chapter. Notice the compassion, because in wrath, God remembers mercy. In uh, verse 15, it says, And the Lord said unto him, Therefore, whosoever shall slay Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark upon Cain, lest uh, any finding him should kill him. And so God has chastised Cain, in a very severe way for taking the life of his brother. 
But in his wrath and judgment, God is still extending mercy to him because he's put protection upon him because of other individuals maybe angry and out of control and aggressive and attack him. And so God, even in his wrath, extends mercy. If there's one thing that we can rejoice in, that no matter what goes on under the chastening hand of God, there's still mercy and there's still grace that God extends to us because of compassion, because he loves us. And so God's dealing with this whole thing. So anger, anger. I mean, Cain is out of line here with his anger, and his anger is against the righteousness of God. His anger is against the righteous acts of his brother. And uh, we see that takes place many times uh, in our life. You know, in the book of Jonah, uh, Jonah, God addressed Jonah in Jonah chapter 4 uh, about anger that he had. Jonah's an interesting character. Uh, God calls him to go and preach to Nineveh. He doesn't like the people of Nineveh. He runs away from God. God grabs a hold of him with a whale, uh, gets his attention. In the whale's belly, he starts praying, calling out to God. I think I'd pray too if I was in a whale's belly. But he starts crying out to God, and uh, God delivers him out of that situation. And listen, uh, the, the, the preaching of Jonah was, hey, not, it wasn't God is loving and God is gracious and he'll save you by his grace. All you have to do is have faith. No, his preaching was judgment's coming. This is how long you have. And the whole city repented. But the attitude of Jonah in Jonah chapter 4, let me just read this for you was, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry. You, you mean, Jonah, wait a minute, God called you to prophesy. God called you to preach. God wanted to extend grace and mercy to these people who were heathens, who were wicked people, and God saved them, but at Jonah was angry. What is he angry about? He's angry about God's grace, God's mercy, God's compassion reaching out to the Ninevites. It says, and he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled before unto Tarshish. And it's amazing. He says, for I knew that thou art a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness, and repent as thee of evil. Therefore now, O Lord, take, I pray, uh, beseech thee, my life for me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Then said the Lord, doest thou well to be angry. I think sometimes, I think God wants to speak to us and remind us, wait a minute, is this a good place for you to be in a position of anger? Is this a good place for you to be living your life out of control emotionally because you're allowing anger to guide you and direct you? Uh, our, our, our communities are being driven by anger. I just saw a thing uh, uh, last night in Portland again, riots and burning and looting and all this, that, and the other. And this one guy tried to help this, this person who was being robbed and being beat up, and I mean, they beat him almost to death. And anger, why? Why so much anger? Over what? 
Somebody's trying to do right. Somebody's trying to be just. Somebody trying to correct wrongs. And you're just out of control with anger. You say, how in the world are we going to deal with this? Paul said, be angry and said not. Let not the, wrath of, uh, let not the sun go down upon thy wrath in Ephesians. And so this matter of anger. So let's think about this this morning. Why do people get angry? Why is Cain angry against the Lord and against his brother Abel? Uh, first of all, I think of this. The way to God is obscure. Uh, in other words, uh, Abel is going to God by bringing the firstlings of his flock, where Cain is bringing of the works of the field. And so when you think about uh, approaching God, getting right with God, I've had people over the years say, well, what makes you think your religion's better than everybody else's religion? Uh, well, first of all, my religion isn't better than anybody's religion, but my Savior is. And uh, oftentimes people want to get, they get upset with you because they perceive in their minds that you think you're more righteous than what they are. But the reality is we have no righteousness. The only righteousness we have is what's imputed to us by Jesus Christ. And so their anger is against the righteousness of God. Because of the way, they're finding that the way to God is obscure. So the means of getting to God, three questions that have to be answered. If getting close to God, is it the work of God or is it the work of man? And that's what Cain's struggling with. Can I get close to God by my skills and my abilities to bring a fruitful offering to God? Or do I have to get to God by the way of my sibling? He brought this blood sacrifice. He brought this offering. So is the approach to God, is the way to God, the means, a work that God does in the heart of man or is it the work of man himself? Now, those of us that are saved, we know that, that it's the work of God. God is the one who extends grace to us. God is the one who sacrificed his own son for us. And so God did everything that was necessary for us to be able to be saved. And so it, he, Cain has to answer that question. He's struggling with a way to get to God. It's interesting that Cain did bring an offering to the Lord. So it shows me he had a desire to be close to God. And, uh, and oftentimes there's people all across the world to this right now that are in churches that aren't preaching the gospel. So it shows me they want a way to God, but they're not answering the question successfully, is this way to God the work of the Lord in our hearts or is it the work of my own hands? And the second question is this, is this means of getting to God through divine sacrifice or human effort? And uh, oftentimes people think, well, I can just be a good person, do more things that, uh, that are positive, uh, and uh, I'll be able to find my way to God. Well, no, it's without the shedding of blood, there is no remissions of sin. There's only one that could die in the place of, of mankind, and that was Jesus Christ. And so it's by divine sacrifice. God is the one who would provide the sacrifice. When Adam and Eve sinned, God provided the sacrifice. He didn't ask Adam and Eve, go out and find something to sacrifice to me. When Adam and Eve sinned, God took the animal and slew the animal. 
when Abraham was with Isaac and getting ready to go up on Mount Moriah, uh, Isaac asked the question, where's the sacrifice? And Abraham's response was, God will provide himself a lamb. And so when we talk about a means or a way to get to God, uh, that is obscure. It's obscure because man has not answered the question, is the way through divine sacrifice or by human effort? And Abel has found that the way to God is through divine sacrifice, what God required to be sacrificed. Cain is trying to approach God by his human effort. And then there's the question is this, is it by the blood or is it by the field? And, uh, of course, uh, there has to be the blood sacrifice. Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God slain before the foundation of the world. Uh, he said this is the blood of the test New Testament. This is the blood of the covenant uh, that he would shed for mankind to be able to be saved and be able to have their sins atoned. When, Adam, when uh, uh, Egypt, when the Israelites were in Egypt, in order for them to be delivered and be able to go out and have access to their God, for them to be able to go and meet with their God, there had to be blood that was shed that was put on the doorpost so that uh, they would be delivered. And so it is, is it by the blood or is it by the field? And so the answer is this way, the obscurity to God is it is a work of God through divine sacrifice through, by the shedding of the blood. And because of that, now we have ways and means to be able to get to the Lord. You know, I'm, I'm, you say, why are you preaching on this? Because of the fact there's so many people that are angry on this whole issue about whether they're right with God or whether they have access to God or not. And we have to give them answers because I'm finding as we have more and more internet access and be able to, to uh, uh, see what's being preached out there where we couldn't before, I'm telling you, they're, they're, the messages are very confusing and the messages are watered down and the messages are not pointing people towards the sacrifice that God requires. And it's becoming the, 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 an instrument of the efforts of man's own hands rather than by God himself. And so... It's creating anger when you tell somebody, well, uh, well, you need to be saved. Well, I did this, this, and that. No, no, that's not what counts. You need to be born again. And you need to be born again by the way God establishes the coming to him. So we see the means by which we can overcome the obscurity of the way to God. But there's the mask. Well, we all know about masks, that's for sure. <laughs> Well, Cain was masked, uh, but in a different way. Notice, first of all, man is blinded. And uh, a man is so blinded about everything that is going on. Uh, spiritually, this is a spiritual warfare that is going on right now. And uh, the, the sad thing is, uh, uh, I just thought I was thinking, my mind goes crazy sometimes. You know, we deal with this whole COVID-19, and now, now we've got these two major tropical storms coming up in the Gulf. Uh, going to hit at the same time, it looks like. I mean, is God trying to get our attention or what, you know? <laughs> but man's completely blinded to it. All man does is get mad about everything. He gets angry about everything. 
If our gospel be hid, it's hid to them who are blinded, it says in, in Corinthians. By whom? The God of this world. And so man is blinded. But man will not be persuaded. You know, it's, I always like reading through the book of Acts. It's one of my favorite books to read through. There's so much excitement and energy and movement going on there. And souls are being saved. Uh, but Paul is standing before King Agrippa and he preaches the gospel to him, reveals who Christ is to him. And Agrippa's response to Paul was just simply, Paul, almost, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. And there's been so many people just almost, I've had them almost saved, and they just fall by the wayside. I've had people that almost ready to get saved, and they say, well, come back tomorrow, or come back next week. And then you go back, forget it, they're cold as ice. And uh, so man is blinded, and because he is blinded, he will not be persuaded. And then man lives a life of procrastination. You know, when the Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 17 was on Mars Hill speaking in Athens, and uh, he preached unto them the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and when he preached unto them the resurrection of Jesus Christ, it says in Acts 17, 32, that many of them uh, said, uh, uh, they mocked, many of them mocked the preaching of the resurrection, and men, some of them got saved, but it said many of them told Paul they would hear him later on the matter. Procrastination. People are always like, well, I'll get saved later on. I've had people say, well, I know you preached on tribulation. You told me all about that stuff. I'm not ready to get saved. I'll get saved later on. How do you know? You might drop dead. Amen. You don't know if you have, you don't know if you got 10 minutes left in your life. So man has a tendency to procrastinate. And listen, Cain had the same opportunity to meet with God as Abel did, but he chose to go his own way. He chose to procrastinate in his life rather than, that's your next point there, Tommy. He, man lives a life of procrastination. Yeah, there we go. I thought I had it up there. And, uh, and so man postpones his opportunities to meet with God. And then he gets frustrated because things aren't going to go right in his life. And then he becomes angry against God and he gets angry with everyone else. So the way to God is obscure. I see the people of God are obedient. The people of God are obedient. And uh, I remember Dr. Paul Vanneman years ago said this, this book, the Bible, is not a book of better ways. It's a book of commands. And we have forgotten that. And uh, so people have got to obey the Lord. The exhortation of James in James chapter 1 and verse 22 uh, was simply this. Be not hearers of the word, but doers of the word. And so the best way to grow spiritually and grow and mature in your Christian life is not to question everything that you read in the Bible. But as you read the Bible and God says something, just start doing it. That's all you have to do. Just start doing it. You say, well, you know, uh, uh, it may not be necessary for us to do that today in the New Testament church. Don't worry about it. God will straighten it out. My wife and I got saved. We started reading the Bible. We started in Genesis, started reading through, and we started reading all the uh, Levitical dietary laws and all this. And we're like, oh, wow, I guess we can't eat all that stuff anymore. And we just stopped eating it. I didn't have a problem with that. 
Hallelujah, we got to the New Testament, amen. And we got in the New Testament, we found out, oh, okay, we can pray over this. We can ask for God's blessing. We can eat it. Amen, we got the shrimp out then. But anyway, <laughs> but uh, the exhortation of James is just simply this. Don't be hearers of the word. Be doers of it. So just don't argue with God. See, the problem here is Abel's not arguing with God. He's just doing what God said. But Cain's arguing with God. And what, what is it doing? It's feeding his anger and his resentment. And so uh, the exhortation of James is don't be a hearer, just be a doer. But the uh, example of the apostles in Acts chapter 5, they were told not to preach in the name of Jesus Christ. And the, the, the uh, example of the apostles was simply this. We ought to obey God rather than man. There is a fine line dealing with this COVID-19 and all these regulations and everything else that the government is putting on everybody, but specifically on the church. There is a fine line. There is a point where we say enough is enough and we obey God. Amen. We gather together and we worship our God irregardless of what man says. And I think we have allowed ourselves to be lulled into a nap or into sleep and have forgotten that, wait a minute, the world is always against the church. We in America have had a very unique experience over the time of the establishment of the United States of America. And that is the church has always had pretty well free reign to do what the church is going to do. Other people in other parts of the world do not enjoy that. We do. But now for the first time in the history of the United States, the church is being put under the thumb of the government. And now it's going to come out how committed are Christians, how strong are they in their surrender to God, uh, because we ought to obey God rather than man. Why? Because the people of God are obedient. And uh, Abel just simply did what God told him to do, and Cain rejected that. Uh, we see the ex exhortation of James, the example of the apostles. We see the endurance of affliction. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and chapter 2. You read 1 Thessalonians in chapter 1 and chapter 2. And what does Paul commend them on over and over again? He commends them on their faithfulness and their endurance through trials and afflictions in life. This affliction of COVID-19 will be gone. And when it's gone, something else is going to come. I mean, that's just the way it is in nature, and that's the way it is in time. You study history. They went from one tragedy to another tragedy to another tragedy. We are not immune to that. And so we have to deal with the afflictions that we go through, whether it be the trials in reference to taking a stand as Christians and not succumbing to governmental mandates, or whether it be taking a stand uh, medically and physically that we're going to trust God and believe God he can get us through. We're not going to give up. We're not going to lay down. We're not going to roll over. We're not going to be defeated in who we are as Christians. We're different than everybody else. So the problem here with the anger is the way to God was obscured to Cain. He couldn't figure this thing out because he was always in the realm of humanity uh, humanism, 
And then the believers, Abel represents here, people of God just simply being obedient. So how can I overcome a lot of anger in my life? I just need to obey what God says. Um, God does not direct me to be angry with my siblings or angry with others. He directs me to be loving to one another and forgiving one another. So not only is the way of God secure, obscure, people of God are obedient, but I see faith in God is obligated. And uh, so we must have faith in God. Why? Because without faith, it's impossible to please him. Why? Because for we have to believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. There must be faith in God is required of us and we're obligated to find. Obligated just simply means this. To bind, to compel, or to constrain by social, legal, or moral tie. So we are obligated. We are bound to God. We are connected with God through faith. And so our faith is obligated. And so if you just take obligated and just put obligate means to absolutely indispensable or essential. So faith towards God, so that's the next definition there, Tommy, obligate. Uh, faith towards God is obligated. It is essential. Our governor and other governors in our nation are stating what they feel is essential employees or essential people or essential jobs. And basically they have ruled that the church is non-essential. That is a lie out of the pits of hell. We are obligated. That means we are essential. We are indispensable. And we are connected with and bound to God by our faith in who he is and what he has provided for us. How You say, how is that demonstrated? Uh, it was demonstrated through Abel's offering here, his faith that he had to bring the offering that he brought. First of all, his offering was by faith in God's redemption. Saying so God's redemption. Redemption means to be bought or purchased. And by God's redemption, it means that there was only through one means, only one way to be purchased. And literally, it, and the redemption of God means to purchase you or buy you out of the slave market. Literally, you're bought out of the slave market of sin. We are bound to sin. We're a servant of sin. Sin is our master. And uh, the devil is ruler over that sin. But wait a minute, it was the redemption of God, the purchase of God, that brings us out of that bondage. And so Abel had faith to believe in God's redemption. And so realize that whatever strongholds in your life, whatever, whatever difficulties overrunning you, emotional trait, whatever it may be, Whatever it is that you're dealing with and you can't get victory over, realize that faith is strong enough in the sacrifice that God has provided to purchase you out of that and to set you free. That's why Paul says, stand fast in the liberty where God has set you free and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. 
And so he had faith in God's redemption. He had faith in God's salvation that it was through only one way. And uh, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. There's only one way. And, and that's so important to remind yourself over and over and over again uh, because of the fact, I watch, people, they, after they've been saved for quite a while, and you hear so many people bombarding you with questions or, or comments against what you believe, that it's only through Christ. And then you have television people. Uh, on. I, I know Joel Osteen. I saw an interview he had uh, with um, uh, Larry King. This was years ago. And uh, so I remember Larry King asking him directly, he said, well, Joel, you know, I mean, I'm a Jew and uh, you're a Christian. Now, uh, now, what about getting to God? Is there one, only one way to God? You, in your faith, you believe that there's only one way to God, right? And, and uh, uh, Joel Holstein sat there and said, well, Larry, <laughs> you know, I just look at it. For me, yes, it's through Jesus Christ. But you know, I just look at it. You know, God just loves all people. And so it doesn't really matter how you come because God makes a way for you. Now, now how ludicrous is that? The, the problem is we forget that God is the one who has designed it, that there's salvation through only one individual. There's only one way to be saved. And, and Cain has a problem here because that's the trap he's falling into He's thinking there ought to be a multiple way to get to God because he's trying to get to God a different way than Abel's trying to get to God. And God deals with him uh, 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 because of the fact his anger caused him to actually kill his brother. So redemption is through only one means. Salvation is through only one way. And then justification is only through one person. And there's only one person that we can go through to be justified in the eyes of God, and that's Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 4, in uh, verse 24, I got to stop eating mints when I'm preaching, amen. <laughs> Notice it says, But for us also, to whom it shall be imputed, if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses, was raised again for our justification. And so there's only one person that can provide the justification of God so that we might know that we are right with God, and that is Jesus Christ. Now, that makes people mad. That makes the world aggressive. But that's a message that cannot change. It cannot be watered down. And that is a message right now. People are trying to find hope. And their emotions are running wild. And, uh, I mean, you go to a store and you don't have the mask up on your nose. Put, oh, you got to cover your nose. You know, I mean, they're ready to throw you in jail for it or whatever, you know. Uh, you try to, to be a witness or try to be to help to somebody. I was, I, was, I was in the store the other day. I was in ShopRite. And I'm going down there, I have my mask on and everything. I was being a good boy. 
And I'm going down there, and I mean, people just just look at you. You know, I'm looking at people, and I want to say, hey, good morning, how you doing? They look at you, and there's, you see fear in their eyes, and it's like they want to run away from you. It looks like he's going to say something to me. You know, I mean, for crying out loud. I, I tell you, the emotions are raw. They're raw. But they ought to be able to see some stability and settledness in the heart of the Christian. And yeah, they can't comprehend why it's only one way, but we can show them who Jesus Christ is. And so let's be an example for them. And let's not allow ourselves to be uh, distraught with the days that we're living in. And let's just be sincere and loving with people to show them, wait a minute, there is redemption and there is salvation. We are going to come out on this on the other side. And there is an obligation and that is you have to have faith in Christ, in Christ alone. Well, let's bow for prayer. My Father, thank you so much for allowing us to be together this morning. Uh, we ask you, Lord, just to speak to us in a special way. Help us not to fall into the trap that Cain did when he allowed his emotions to be raw. And, uh, Lord, he just got him out of control, got him against his brother whom he should love, and he slays his brother, and then he falls under the chastening hand of God, but yet, God, you still were compassionate towards him. Help us to show compassion to a world that is lost. Help us to be honest with them and present to them who Christ is. And Lord, I always, I always pray, Lord, if there's someone in the building here that's not sure they're saved, I pray that you would touch them and they would come and receive Christ as their Savior. Bless us. Help us to get things... Uh, in place where they need to be and help us to be able to provide for our families, help us to be able to care for one another, help us, Lord, most of all, to be a wonderful light and testimony of all that Jesus Christ is to us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.